You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. It's Tuesday, September 21st. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, but I'm not going to be here long. I'm about to toss it to our producer host today Lance Glenn is doing believe it or not a Rutgers power hour I'm calling it power hour it's about 15 minutes this is uh this is something real this is a uh, the, the Scarlet Knights are 3 and 0 it's their best start in about 10 years they play Michigan this weekend in the big house they're big underdogs quite a few touchdowns they pounded Temple in week 1 Temple was a, a popular pick to cover 14 they beat Syracuse by 10 at the Carrier Dome in week 2 some people have them losing to FCS Delaware in week three, and they won 45 to 13. Greg Schiano is not messing around, so it's going to be a fun first test for Rutgers, a fun test for number 19 Michigan as well. Maybe we'll hear some of our Rutgers people saying the Rutgers should also be ranked. And speaking of those Rutgers people, we have a lot of Rutgers employees at 24-7 Sports. I don't know how, but Lance will be on. We have Matt Howe, who joined us last week and made some great picks. I think he went three and oh no two and one and then we also have nick costco 24 7 sports desk writer and video talent too so i think you are going to enjoy it i always tell lance no more Rutgers talk on the podcast but today today we allowed it this was this was a uh, a fun opportunity for them to talk about the school they went to right before we get to that though real quick some some news throughout college football uconn coaches have been told they will not return next season Randy Edsel already left. This is UConn's in dire straits. They scored their first touchdown of the season last week against Army. 52-21 loss. Did not feel that close. They're 0-4. They still have games against a few Power 5 opponents remaining. Vanderbilt and Clemson. If I'm Clemson, I'm trying to buy that game out because that's an absolutely pointless football game to play. And if you're Clemson, you need a better resume than that. The Derek King has his, is, is having his shoulder evaluated. He did not look hundred percent healthy in Saturday's loss to Michigan state. And Derek is obviously the Miami hurricanes quarterback. Speaking of injured quarterbacks, Michael Penix has not looked good this season. He had an ACL tear last year. It's the second one in his career. People have said, well, is, is he okay to be playing? Uh, Indiana says he is cleared to remain the starting quarterback. And then LSU defensive end Andre Anthony will miss the rest of the season with a knee injury. He is second on the team in sacks, and he got hurt in Saturday's win over Central Michigan. So some unfortunate injury news to share with you all. And, and let's keep an eye on UConn. Let's see if they deem themselves worthy of playing the rest of the season. I think they should probably just forfeit and let's see what their program does moving forward. Anyway, speaking of Wobegon programs that are, you know, trying to rise to the top, Sox and Rutgers football. All right. So everyone who listens to this podcast regularly knows that I am a Rutgers alum. I like talking about my Scarlet Knights, especially now that while they have their flaws, they're back to being a respectable program. And that's what gets me excited about this program. In fact, we are in year two of Greg Schiano 2.0, really year one since 2020 was dominated by COVID. And he already has Rutgers at a level where they are no longer considered the worst power five team, which look for a few years, they were. So as Trey and I were figuring out the schedule for this week, and this was before Rutgers beat Delaware 45 to 13, I said, hey, look, they have a chance to start 3-0. 
I'll talk Rutgers on Tuesday. So who better to join me to talk about the Scarlet Knights than two Rutgers alumni, both of whom are national news desk writers for 24-7 Sports, Nick Costco and Matt Howe. And they join me now on the line. Guys, thanks so much for coming on. I know we're all excited to talk about our alma mater and their successes so far on the football field. Yeah, no doubt, Lance. I mean, you look at what this team has been able to do over the first three weeks of the football season, you know, on paper, you're thinking to yourself, all right, as long as they're a decent football team this year, you should go 3-0 and and set yourself up for possibly getting into a bowl game right away in Greg Schiano's second tenure. Because again, we kind of throw 2020 out the window because of the COVID short season and they went three and six last year, three and five. I, I, I almost forget because it's, it was so much of a wash, but there was some talent last year. There was some positive last year, but you figured, all right, it was like a practice run for Shiano's second run here. And so far you're seeing that. And now you got to see what the Scarlet Knights are going to be able to do when it comes to Big Ten play. And it, of course, it, of course, they have to start out with a banger, so to speak. They're going to Ann Arbor, take on Michigan, and they honestly look like the best team or at least one of the best teams in the Big Ten right now. By the way, they've been playing over the first three weeks. It's good to be here as well, but Trey, I was on Friday's episode and Trey uh, introduced me and he said, you know, uh, Matt, try not to talk about Rutgers when you're on. I said, hey, I wasn't the one who uh, brought up Rutgers just now. You did. So it's good to be on an episode where we can talk about Rutgers. But Nick, you nailed it. They're 3-0 in non-conference play. Now the real fun begins. So we'll see what they can do in the Big Ten conference play. They needed to start 3-0 in order to uh, put themselves into position to make a bowl game. And that's what they did. And yeah, you know, Trey always uh, likes to get on me about talking Rutgers too much, too. But look, you know, we got to get the Scarlet Knights in the uh, in the national news here at 24 uh, seven. We can't leave them out. We're a national podcast. That means we got to hit on on every national team, not just uh, the big boys in college football. So I want to make a start... national headways, make them national headlines this week, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So I want to start with the why, right? The why we are excited to talk Rutgers because college football fans, they might see the three and start, see that they beat Temple, Syracuse, and Delaware and kind of question our excitement, right? Because it's not like those three teams are dominant programs, but I think the biggest thing for me, and I'd love to get your guys' opinions on this, is that what raises our excitement is that only a few years ago, games against these three teams probably would have resulted in, at best, a one and two record. Maybe, you know, we all remember the blowout losses to Kansas and Buffalo, the loss to Eastern Michigan, really the the non-competitiveness in any game. Now, obviously that's changed. And for that to happen in less than two years under Greg Schiano with COVID, a big factor, obviously in his first year, that's why I'm excited about this program moving forward. And, and Nick, I'll start with you. I'd love to hear why you are optimistic as well about Rutgers football. Well, we look at it from last year's perspective coming into 2021, they basically brought back every single starter aside from what I think, what, one or two. And when you look at that, it's like, all right, last year was a free year for, I mean, again, it's not it's not just Rutgers and it's not just football. It was a free year for everybody in every sport across uh, college athletics because of the uh, COVID waiver. So you basically give these guys an extra year to develop their skills without losing a year of eligibility. So all those freshmen last year, they're still freshmen. Some of those seniors that came back and they give the, they gave Rutgers more of a veteran presence uh, across a lot, of, a lot of positions. And you mentioned how the three and zero start this year would have been one and two, maybe two and one at best in years past under uh, former head coach Chris Ash. When you, when you talk about that, it's like I go back to 2019, two years ago uh, during Ash's final season. You look at the opening game against UMass at home, and I, I know they ended up winning in a blowout under the lights, which was 
that was great. But we look early in that game, Dad. If I remember correctly, I was I was actually up there down the field, you know, scoping out the scenery. They were down, I believe it was I think it was fourteen nothing, and I think twenty one to seven at one yeah. point. So they yeah. had they had a double digit deficit against UMass at home in their opener, and you're thinking to yourself, my goodness gracious. And then that was never really a worry in these first three games. I know Temple, they were, it was a little bit close to start out, but they ended up blowing them out. Syracuse, a hard fought game on the road, and it's an old Big East rival. So what are you going to do? I know Syracuse is not a world beater, but you know they went in there, won the game. Uh, handily in terms of their defense and special teams. And then you look at uh, the Udell game just this past weekend. It's an FCS program, but a solid one. I'm not saying it's going to be a great win, but they took care of business. They won 45-13. So when you're winning by 30 plus points in a game that you should be dominating, then that's the mold of, uh, that, I mean, that, to me, that's the mold of progress for this Scarlet Knights program. So now is what, what now what can they do moving forward? I'm optimistic they could probably win another you know, couple more games this season. I, I went into the season thinking they were going to be, you know, four and eight, five and seven, but at least competitive. So I think that's what you actually have to hope for the rest of the way is that competitiveness factor. And I, so far, at least, Shiano has brought that back to the Scarlet Knights where they're not just going to be a doormat to even some of these mid-tier Big Ten programs. It really just boils down to Greg Shiano. I mean, everyone wanted this guy here. He came here. And now he's turning things around. I mean, Nick covered a lot there. So I don't want to repeat anything Nick said, but Shiano has already made this team look way more competitive in two seasons than they ever looked under Chris Ash. He already has a way better recruiting class than Chris Ash ever had. And, you know, he landed Gavin Wimsatt. That's enough to be excited about right there. The four-star quarterback from Kentucky who enrolled early. He's on campus. So, you know, I think the fan base really can get behind anything Shiano does. And so far they haven't stumbled yet. So, you know, I think really Shiano is the main reason to be excited about this team in years to come. So guys, I want to think kind of long-term, right? We're going to finish with rest of the season predictions at the end, but before we get there, long-term, what do you guys believe the ceiling is for this program? Because I know it's a question that Rutgers fans have kind of bounced back and forth, especially since Shiano has has returned and has started to bring some energy into this program over the last couple of years. You know, I don't know if anyone thinks the long-term ceiling is Penn State or Ohio State level. Look, I don't, certainly, you know, maybe once every, you know, five, six, seven years, you know, you get a a year where you, you know, have a nine win season or a 10 win season, but I don't think at Rutgers that's sustainable year after year after year, but is it Iowa, Indiana? Is it Michigan state level? Nick, I'll start with you and then go to Matt. What could this program become as it continues to progress under Greg Schiano? It's interesting. You actually mentioned Iowa because I was kind of thinking the same thing. I mean, again, the big 10 East is arguably the toughest division in college football, maybe aside from the sec West. So when you look at where Rutgers could end up in, you know, say a five-year plan, so to speak. They're not going to be Ohio State. They're not going to be Penn State. They're not going to be Michigan. Heck, they might not even be Michigan State, but they, could they certainly beat those teams with, over the next five years? I think it's, I think it's certainly possible, especially this year. You, you never know what's going to happen. So I think there's definitely a possibility that they could be on the level temporarily of some of those teams. Maybe they, you know, pull off an upset. And like you said, there could be a year within the next five to seven years where maybe they pull off a 9-10 win season. I'm not saying necessarily compete for a Big Ten title within the next five years. But if anybody can do it, it is Greg Schiano. I'm not, believe me, I'm not expecting that. I would think though the Iowa level is interesting just because the Big Ten West is kind of random. It's been run by Wisconsin. I know Nebraska was tough, you know, about 10 years ago or around when they first joined the conference, but Iowa's in and out of that uh, conference title conversation pretty much every year, even if they have a down year, which a down year for them is what, seven wins. They have a seven and five season. So if Rutgers gets at least to that level within their own division with all these big time brands and you know college football powers, I mean, I, I, I would think 
Shiano's going to venture. I mean, he's he's bound to get a statue anyway. But I mean, you might have to give him two statues if uh, you know if Rutgers is year in and year out winning between seven and eight games at a, at a uh, sustainable level. You know, the expectations in the next five years should be Rutgers to start competing and they're already competing. But you look at this week's game against Michigan, they're on the road. They're a 19 point underdog still. Take that for what it is. They're still a 19 point underdog. I want in the next couple of years, these games to be more six, seven point underdogs on the road against these good Big Ten teams. So I think, you know, the number one thing over the next couple of years is to just compete week in and week out in tight games. You know, Lance, you you mentioned what tier do you think they can reach the Big Ten? And, and you said Ohio State, Penn State. I don't even think Penn State's an Ohio State's level in the top tier. Penn State's a team that hasn't ever made the college football playoff yet. So I think, you know, if we can be a competitive Big Ten team, who knows? You pull off an upset a couple of years, you get ranked in the top 25. I think that is very attainable for this Rutgers team in the next couple of years is a top 25 ranking towards the back end, especially playing in the Big Ten. All it takes is one week to pull off one big upset. Like if they beat Michigan this week, God forbid, you know, they they will probably be ranked next week in the top 25 after on the road, win over a top 20 Michigan team. So I just think the competitiveness, you know, we're not getting blown out anymore, but we're also still 19 point underdogs on the road to Michigan, which, you know, this this season, that's okay. But next year, years down the line, once we get these better recruiting classes in, I expect these point spread totals to, you know, show more respect for Rutgers as a program. Yeah. And, you know, the good thing about getting to that level, uh, if you're Rutgers and, and, and progressing is that in the Big Ten, obviously, every week, basically in the conference season, you have that opportunity for an upset. They have Michigan this week, uh, this weekend, excuse me, on Saturday. And then the weekend after they welcome Ohio State. So every week you're playing a, obviously a top level team. And that opportunity is there for that upset. So guys, a couple more things I want to ask about. And this next one has probably drawn the most interest among Rutgers fans, right? Gavin Wimsett, the four-star quarterback originally in the 2022 class, left high school early for NIL opportunities and is in the Rutgers quarterback room. Every Rutgers fan knows he's the guy in the future. He is the quarterback of the future. And I think probably the starter come game one in 2022. Matt, you can go first with this. Do you think he should play this season or are you in favor of him sitting and learning this year from the sidelines and obviously taking a red shirt? I don't think he should play this season, right? We're into Big Ten play now. I mean, I, I haven't seen Rutgers football practice this year, so I, I, I don't know how he's looked in practice. I'm sure Greg Schiano knows very well how far along he is in this offense and seeing the college game, obviously coming right over from high school, reclassifying, it's very tough. Um, you know, Noah Vedrill's a guy who's, this is his fifth year in college football, right? There's no way Gavin Wimsett is better than Noah Vedrill right now. Maybe next year in two years, we're having a completely different conversation where Gavin Wimsett is, you know, levels above where Noah Vedrill ever was in college. But, you know, I don't see a point for them to play him to play him this year at any point, especially now that we're in the Big Ten play. You know, the, the chance for Gavin Wimsett to play was... He wasn't even here for the Temple game, and that was a blowout. Uh, last week, you know, it, it was a blowout, but, you know, that was the time to get him in if he was going to get any reps. I don't want to see him come in and say, you know, Rutgers plays Ohio State. Obviously, I don't think he's going to come in in that game if they're getting blown out. And then all the other games the rest of the season should be competitive for the Scarlet Knights. I don't expect them to take a, you know, a huge a huge blowout loss in any of the games other than maybe Ohio State, Penn State, maybe, you know, that there's an opportunity there that Penn State at home beats up on us pretty bad. But even then, I think Rutgers is going to compete the rest of the season. So I I, I think we we don't see Gavin Wimsatt at all this season. I don't think we are going to see Wimsatt suit up. Well, he obviously he did suit up, but I don't think we're going to see him in a game. But I think if you are going to put him in, you put him in 
either against Northwestern or Illinois in some kind of package deal. Now, again, he's got the arm talent. I mean, from what we were seeing and told on the broadcast and just, you know, re- reading reports, you know, all over the place, Wimsat's got a ridiculous arm. Like Matt said, I mean, he, he's not better than Noah Vedral right now. Now, on paper, you would like to say, yeah, Wimsat's better than Noah Vedral. You want to put him in there. But he's not better than him right now. But Vedral even said he's, I think he's probably going to come back next year. I don't know if he, I mean, I think he could transfer again, hypothetically speaking, but Wimsat should be the starter by next year. If all goes well, save his red shirt because you don't want to burn a year by him playing in, you know, more than four games this year. I don't think we're going to see him. I actually would like to see him only if there's a certain package where you can make it work. I mean, they use Johnny Langan over the place. I know, I know he's barely a quarterback at this point. He's more of like a, just a, a, fo- a pure football player. But if you're talking about winnable Big Ten games in, against Northwestern and Illinois right now, based on the way they've played the first three weeks, that's probably where you're going to see him in some sort of package. But as far as meaningful quarterback reps, I'm not going to see it. I mean, the heck, they, you know, Matt just said it against Udell. I mean, he, that was his first full week of practice. But they still put Cole Snyder in when they started putting the second string guys in there. And he actually threw two passes. So I don't think we're going to see Wimsett. We'll see him suit up and maybe maybe he works his way up to number three on the depth chart. And then some God forbid emergency situation, he might be the guy to go in eventually. But I don't think I don't think we're going to see him this year. But I would like to see him at least in some minimal game action, whether it's garbage time against somebody else's third string or something, or you know maybe a package deal against one of your winnable Big Ten games um, on the road against Northwestern or Illinois. Yeah, and you bring up Northwestern and Illinois, and that's something that's always been intriguing for Rutgers fans is you obviously have Michigan, then you have Ohio State. And I forget who they play afterwards, but then you have... Michigan, it's actually Michigan State Michigan right after State. Ohio State. And then yeah. I believe you have Northwestern after Michigan State, and then I think a bye, and then you have Illinois. So Rutgers yes. fans have kind of circled yep. that Northwestern by Illinois as like, well, if you're going to insert Gavin Wimshat in as the starter in any week this season, that by going into Illinois seems like the most logical place to do it because you have that two-week span to kind of get him ready. You obviously play an Illinois team that would think you're better than, especially in since they're in year one under Brett Bielema. So that's kind of been like the game week circle that if you're a Rutgers fan and you want to see Gavin Wimshat start, that's the most likely scenario for him to get in. But of course, we'll see. You know, Regardless, I think we all agree that obviously he's the guy in 2022, assuming everything goes right and beyond. So guys, last one, and then we'll get out of here. There are nine games left. Look, obviously all conference games. As mentioned previously, the conference slate, it starts with a national TV game in the big house on Saturday against Michigan. So first, Nick, I'll ask you, and then Matt, you can give me a, uh, you can give me yours. First, Nick, what is your prediction for Saturday's game? And then second, what do you think will happen the rest of the year? Do you think Rutgers will reach a bowl game for the first time since 2014 after this 3-0 start? I would love to say they actually get to a bowl game, so I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you all at once. Uh, they're not going to win Saturday, unfortunately, as much as I would love to pick them in a monumental upset at this point. It would be on the road in the, in the big house. And I know back when we were all students together at Rutgers, I did go to the big house to go broadcast the game on our student radio station, and they made it a game until a second-half quarterback switch, and Michigan turned on the Jets from there. So I know I know what it, would, what it would be like for them to upset Michigan in the big house, especially on national TV. I'm not going to do that. Matt said it's a was it it's a 19 point spread still. I mean, I'm thinking you know Michigan probably similar scores what I saw a couple of years ago, 35, 14 in that range uh, for Saturday. Um, I think it's going to be competitive at first, but the little you know Michigan's just going to pull away eventually. You don't want to see a 21 point loss, but you know if they can keep it between 14 and 10 points, I think you're going to feel a lot better about that. That's that's almost a moral victory for me uh, as far as the bowl game is concerned. I said four and eight, five and seven going into the season. I'm going to have to stick with that. Right now, I would say five and seven. You look at Northwestern and Illinois. Northwestern's not what they were the past couple of years. Illinois 
looks like a completely rebuilding team right now. So I would say circle those two as the wins on paper right now. Of course, both on the road. I was going to initially say Michigan State is a good chance to win a game, especially since it's at home. But the way they're looking right now, I mean, I think Michigan State is bound to be, you know, they, 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 they could surpass one of Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State at the top of the Big Ten East this year. They are that good right now, the way they're playing quarterback Peyton Thorne and, of course, uh, the running back Kenneth Walker. So that's that was going to be my sixth win if any of them, but I can't see that. And even even Maryland's a tough game. If they're going to win in a sixth game, it might be Maryland at the end of the year. But the way, I mean, again, it comes down to the quarterback play. Talia uh, Tagovailoa, he looks like a man possessed right now. The guy, the guy, I think, I think he's averaging over 300 yards a game passing. He's tearing it up. So I'll, I'll stick with five and seven. Northwestern Illinois, probably the wins they're going to get left. I think overall, when you look back on the season, five and seven, two Big Ten wins, maybe some competitive games. You look back on it as a, as a building year, and then you'll go into 2022 with uh, you know the bowl game expectations. Yeah, as far as this week goes against Michigan, I think our run defense is really going to hurt us. And that's where Michigan's going to be able to control the game, control the time of possession and pull away. Eventually you look at Michigan's first three games, quarterback Cade McNamara has, I think, the most attempts he's thrown in one game is 15 attempts, passing attempts. So, you know, they obviously are going to pound the rock and it that plays into their favor with Rutgers' run defense being the way it has been so far this season. So I'm not expecting a win this week, but back to the bowl game, Nick, I agree with you. I think Northwestern and Illinois right now wins on paper, but it's the Big Ten, anything can happen. But I'm going to chalk those two up as wins for Rutgers. So that puts us at five. And look, they can sneak another one here. Maryland at home to end the season. I think it would be awesome if, you know, going into that game, they have five wins and it's a home game, last game of the season. That would right be- after Thanksgiving too, can you imagine? Yeah, it would be a huge, huge game for Rutgers, for Shiano in this year two already to get to a bowl game chance against Maryland. You know, we joined the same time as Maryland. They've become kind of our, our rival in the Big Ten, if you will, over these last couple of years. So I think that would be great if they can win game number six on the last game of the season at home, you know, with Shiano in year two, that that's that would be the goal this season is six wins. It's a lot, a lot of football to be played to get there. They have to take care of business against Northwestern and Illinois. And you know, who's to say they can't steal a game against Michigan State or Indiana? Not I'm not counting them out of any game other than Penn State, Ohio State, and maybe Michigan this week. Yeah, no, I agree with you guys. I'm on that five and seven train. And like you both said, I don't think they'll win this week, but I do think it'll be relatively competitive. It wouldn't shock me if it's a you know 35-17. 35-21 kind of game uh, in favor of the Wolverines. But look, the fact is, and obviously I got to talk to Trey, but there's no reason this shouldn't be a weekly thing, right? We should have a weekly no. Tuesday <laughs> uh, Rutgers recap preview episode here on the College Football Daily. I mean, look, the fans are just clamoring for Rutgers talk, obviously. <laughs> but I don't, uh, think, but I don't think Trey understands the power of oh, the New man, Jersey fan base and the, uh, get the, the rowdiness. He just wait till the winter, too. You know, he doesn't get it. And I keep trying to tell him he just he doesn't get it. But nevertheless, guys, thanks so much for joining me. We all got to get back to work. We don't want the big bosses at 24-7 Sports to get mad at us for talking Rutgers for too long. Thanks so much for giving me the time today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Lance. See you, Lance. You can follow Nick on Twitter at NickCosco59 and follow Matt on Twitter at how underscore you underscore doing. And of course, you can read all their work on 247sports.com. For Nick and Matt, my name is Lance Glenn. Trey will be back tomorrow for the next edition of the College Football Daily.